Doom. I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of Doom Metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you have a question or whatever, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon that you can support. Uh, you can find that over at patreon.com slash diaryofdoom. Joining me for this week's chapter is George Chamberlain. He is the vocalist for the Philadelphia band Ritual Earth. And they have their debut album coming out on March 18th. Uh, it's called, you know, these fucking titles always, uh, <laughs> I always want to say MMXX and I know that's not what the fuck no, it actually uh, is. Well, it's, it's funny. Uh, we originally didn't even have a name for the album. Uh, our, our drummer did like the first couple rounds of like proposed design work and he just threw MX, MMXX on there as like your 2020. Cause that's when it was done at the time. And, I, and we actually had that band conversation. Every band has, you know, the back and forth on. Mm -hmm what the title should be. And eventually I was like, why don't we just call it that this way? It's, it's already on the cover. Just leave it. And that was the, the first version of the cover. Of course, we still call it MMXX all the time, even though it's just Roman numeral 2020, which is even funnier now that it's 2022, <laughs> but there is a backstory to that. Um, originally we did self-release the record during COVID just, we made uh, about a hundred CDs put up on mm -hmm. Bandcamp, and then it was through at iodine recordings. Uh, we decided to do the re-release for vinyl. So that's really what this is, is a re-release for, for vinyl option. And I think we're, uh, yeah, there actually is going to be more CDs coming as well with a new layout, a whole new layout and design too. And uh, I think we had to omit one song for the vinyl version because it crossed over the time, mm. uh, you know, allowance, I guess, per side. It'll show up on the Japanese exclusive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, what we did is we did, uh, you know, uh, the the plexis, the little like mm -hmm. yes. yeah. the extra song is on the plexi, and that's actually free. And uh, so any records that I mail out, I'm going to throw a plexi in there just so that you have it. But it's it's up on Bandcamp and on Spotify now. But if you buy it from us, you'll get the plexi for the extra song. Right on. Yeah. No. The the, the Roman numerals just throw me off because I only know how <laughs> I only know how to count up to. Uh, X. <laughs> I always forget what comes. <laughs> what what is that? Ten. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, before that, all that, you know, what are your uh, earliest experiences with music? Do you come from a musical background, or was it something that you kind of picked up later on on your life on your own? A little bit of both. Uh, one of the first musical memories I actually have was being very little uh, and sitting in the back seat of my parents' car while my, while my mother was inside trying out for a band she sang uh, so my, i should probably back up and say my mother had me when she was 18 so she was very young and uh you know i'm i'm pretty old now so this was probably like in the early <laughs> early to mid 70s and i remember sitting there and being like yeah my mom's singing for a band and it just became this thing like yeah my mom does that and for the most part it was like you know country rock and then popular music and then as i started to get older and got into elementary school it went away we didn't talk about it a whole lot and then uh, when I moved to Mooresville, PA in junior high, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to metal. And then we started listening to like WTSR, which was Trenton State Radio. Mm -hmm. And college DJs play everything. So that's when I got discovered, or that's when I discovered punk rock and hardcore. And then we dove deeper into thrash and death metal and black metal. I mean, and that's where it really all began. And then uh, I started a band probably a year later with my best friend, uh, Rich Sutcliffe. And it, we've been playing music 
yeah, ever since, you know, together and in different bands as well. So it's been, I've been playing for over 25 years now. So have you always been uh, in and around the Philadelphia area? Yeah, I grew up in uh, like Levittown, uh, Mooresville, which okay, is Bucks yeah. County. Yeah, it's about 40 minutes north of Philly. And then uh, I, I lived in Westchester for a couple years in the early 90s, moved to South Philly in 97. And in 2016, uh, bought a house and moved out here to it's Conshohocken, Plymouth Meeting, if you're familiar with them. It's about 15 minutes west east north. it's one of those border towns yeah yeah the next town over still pays the the philadelphia city tax I, I don't where i'm at but yeah i lived in philly for 20 years so a huge part of the percentage that i was playing music philly for me it's always been like you know the the neighboring city down south and i know that for reasons that i truly cannot explain but they make a ton of sense is you know, there's always been the rival i'm from new jersey originally and there's always just been the rivalry <laughs> between philadelphia and um and new jersey and you know i grew up a devil's fan i had a lot of friends who were rangers fans had a lot of friends who were flyers fans gotta say i'll take the rangers fans <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, whenever uh, the funny thing in Philly is whenever there's a problem at, at, at a stadium or, or whatever, you know, sport you're into it. So for me, it's the Eagles. Whenever there was a problem uh, at the link or at Veterans Stadium, we would always place bets and say, you know, whoever that asshole is, has got to be from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, I mean, I'm joking, but I mean, no, we would we would say that uh, and, uh, you know, we, we would make jokes about it. And then to get even worse, if there was ever like a fender bender. Uh, we would say to each other that that car have Jersey plates. Yeah, figures. Okay. You know, and that was a, an ongoing joke for a while too. But no, it's kind of funny. I have a lot of friends from Jersey that are Philadelphia fans. And I feel like it's in that Trenton area mm -hmm. and the closer to the border you get. And then all of a sudden, like, it's all these Giants fans and all these Mets fans. And the Phillies-Mets rivalry is huge still. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. I've actually gotten into arguments at shows with other people. And uh, we have a uh, Richard Worth has a, uh, a Philadelphia Eagles mock design that we made this year. Uh, we started selling them right around season opener, and all of our friends, you know, obviously, hey, let me get one of those. And so, we'll, we'll, yeah, it was, it was the best T-shirt we sold. Actually, uh, we'll probably make more next year. But yeah, it's it's crazy uh, how close proximity we are of so many different sports teams, and you know, the the little rivalries that pop up. Plus, uh, you know, you saying you lived in Philly for so long, like I'm not super familiar with it, but I'm sure there's been an, uh, an underground Philly music scene for a long time. I mean, it's a it's a sprawl, a sprawling city. Uh, it's kind of like the right environment for like sort of a adjacent sort of hardcore underground music movement to develop just like it would in New York or something like that. Oh, yeah. Now. The, the first couple of bands I was in, we were, you know, hardcore bands playing out of Morrisville. So we gravitated to Jersey because Trenton was right across the bridge. Right. But at the time in Philly, you had like the Cabbage Collective doing all the punk rock shows over at the Unitarian Church. And then later on, you had uh, like uh, some of the Ink and Dagger kids, you know, Don DeVore and those guys were putting on shows at the church. Sean Agnew came up and now Sean's running Union Transfer. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So there, I mean, it, it's been a huge, huge scene for a very long time and, and a, a really big umbrella, which is good too. I mean, it's back in the nineties, especially wouldn't be uncommon to go to a show and, and hear three different bands playing three different styles of whatever underground music you, know, you might be into. And, and the consistent theme is that very DIY mindset, 
you know, still heavy and loud and no rules. And, you know, that's kind of been our thing for a long time. And now in, in the current times, I know that Philly's got a, it's turned into a bit of a hot spot for the doom and stoner scene for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to a couple of people from in and around that area. Uh, I mean, he doesn't like live right by it, but Brian Mercer, the artist, he's oh, kind yeah, of like yeah. a staple of the scene. Uh, obviously, uh, Thunderbird Divine, uh, previous guests on here. So yeah, it's like, you know, I just, I just saw them. I just saw them two nights ago at the Kyber. They were, they were awesome. Yeah. Nice. We had, we had the pleasure of playing with them a few times too. And I mean, there's, that's the crazy thing right now. There's so many good bands coming out of Philly that, you know, that definitely have that stoner doom scene, uh, sound. And there's a few other bands that are like, uh, like honey or witching that are more a little bit on the thrash side. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're into heavy music, it's hard to deny that they're not awesome as well. You know? Uh, I mean, I could probably sit here and name probably 20 bands off the top of my head that are all, you know, worth checking out. And, uh, what's crazy is over the last couple of years, I've definitely considered putting on like some form of festival. And I was like, I'm looking at the list of local bands. And I'm like, I don't even have to get any bands from out of town. It could be, you know, Heavy Temple, Age of Truth, Thunderbird Divine. Yeah, I mean, Great the list Bathers. goes on. Great, yeah, Gray Bathers, uh, Ruby the Hatchet over the bridge in Jersey, mm-hmm. High Reaper in Delaware. Uh, and somewhere I'm going to try and fit my band on there, of course, we'll, we'll open <laughs> or something. But I mean, it, there's so many. Um, now, the only uh, the only issue with that that I have personally is, uh, you know, whenever a bigger band comes through, it, it's hard to get on that list of consideration to, to open. Uh, but I mean, at the same time, if you go, you know, you're going to see someone great. So, I mean, that's the plus. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Plus, you got uh, I've yet to get down to it and I really would like to. I was thinking about going last year and it, it couldn't make it work um, and would love to go just can't go this year already got plans i'd love to go decibel metal and beer fest one yeah they always get sick lineups and they're doing a lot of reunion kind of shows yeah and this year uh i'm gonna try and go old friends of mine all else failed are getting back together for that again so that's gonna be awesome uh i i i actually am real excited to see them in a larger venue like that just to i mean i don't know if you ever saw them before i was i followed them back in the day and they would just tear up places you know venue after venue just incredible live scene or live show uh so yeah i'm excited to see them play actually not familiar with them oh all else failed if you go check them out they have a handful of records out okay uh yeah pat you know shout out to pat shannon and and crew so like kind of getting back to yourself do you have a landmark album uh for yourself that you feel made you start thinking more about music differently Oh, that's a tough question. There's, so, I mean, I have a, I have a list of landmark albums. Um, I'm trying to think of something that first. Actually, I can definitely think of one. So when I first moved to Marsville, Morrisville, uh, one of the, and this is actually absolutely true. The first record that was introduced to me as a metal album was actually Slayer, Rain and Blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, to date myself, that was their most recent album at the time. So at that time, uh, you know, Rain and Blood was out and, you know, Metallica, I think Garage Days had just come out, the first one, um, a, a bunch of those, you know, thrash bands. Uh, so that was probably a big one. But I want to say, I think, I think the record that got me most interested, uh, that drove me into a, I, I'm trying to think of a way to explain it, that drove me into playing music that was just not uh, a traditional style of music would have to be Voivod. Uh, at the mm-hmm. time, Dimension Hatros came out, and I remember thinking, like, I, I have all these thrash bands that I love, but this thing stands out. And anyone who knows me personally knows that every band I've ever tried to do, 
uh, always, I always tried to do something a little different, a slightly different take. And I think it comes back to being such a huge Voivod fan and what they did differently with, with thrash at the time. Um, but then pretty after, hard to pin down. I just listened to the new album and I'm like, yeah, this is the weirdest band. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. So, and, and I'm a huge fan. I love the last album, the last EP. Uh, the newest record I've set, and Voivod's a band that when a new record comes out, I make time for it. I'm going to sit down and listen to the album. I've listened to it three times now and it's it, it started off awesome and it just gets better. But there's a lot to absorb on this one. There's a lot of awesome guitar parts. Uh, I mean, I yeah, I, I need to really dive back into it. Uh, probably later tonight or tomorrow, but yeah, I think it's great. I, I I love that band. I love the fact that they came back and they were resurrected, and and it's like a fresh take on their traditional sound, mm-hmm. not a continuation of the later years. That I just got a little. I think they simplified their sound a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still great, but it wasn't the traditional stuff I was used to hearing from them. Maybe they're just like, eh, we need a little marketability right now. Yeah. And the, I guess some other landmark albums might be like uh, when I was transitioning out of like the hardcore stuff into more like mm-hmm. riff rock, uh, Queens of Stone Age had just kind of hit and, and R was out. Songs of the Deaf came out. That's when I got reintroduced to Caius. And, and I mean, um, and I, God, I'd have to say like Welcome to Sky Valley got me back into like heavy music. And mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I decided I could start singing again, too. I heard John Garcia over really heavy music. And I'm like, I, I, I think I can do that. And I really miss singing. I, I quit singing for about 10 years and just focused on guitar. So uh, with Ritual Earth, prior to that, I sang for one other band for two years. And yeah, I think it was definitely the Caius and John Garcia and maybe even Unita and uh, Slow Burn, the two things he did immediately after Caius really got me back into uh, what I'm doing now. That might be a good segue to talk about um, uh, how this band uh, came together. Mm. Well, you mentioned Thunderbird Divine earlier. So this mm-hmm. is, uh, I, I sang for this band called Seagrave and we were short-lived. We only put out a demo. And uh, the second we broke up, I put the guitar back on. I started jamming with some people. And, and Eric Kaplan from Thunderbird Divine was someone who I actually jammed with. And uh, he ended up creating and starting Thunderbird Divine right after that. So uh, he was neighbors with this guy, Chris, who was in a band called Chimp Grinder, which was uh, started off as a grindcore band. And then grew into this like, you know, monstrous, like just riff rock band. Uh, They lost their singer and Eric recommended me to them. So uh, they wrote me one day and they sent me three songs of new material they were working on. And coincidentally, at that time, I was listening to like at the time, the newest Mono Lord. And um, uh, what else was I listening to? You okay over there? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just getting ready for later. Oh, yeah, I hear you. No, but uh, they sent me the three new songs of what they were working on. And, and uh, you know, I've said this in another interview. I got, I got halfway through the first song. And I just wrote them back and I was like, when's practice, you know? But uh, the funny thing is with Chimp Grinder is when I sang for Seagrave uh, two years prior to hearing from them, they we played a show together. And uh, I remember listening to one of their albums and thinking like, man, this is like very Sabbath driven. It wasn't at all what I was expecting based off the name. But I actually did say, you know, if a band that sounded like this ever asked me to sing for them, I would have to do it. You know, this is too good not to. Um, now, the newer stuff that they've written by the time I joined was more progressed. But that initial like punch that they had was still there, you know, still very heavy and very driving. And I think by the time I came along, they were just looking to open things up and have more options with songwriting and just diving deeper into you know, psych rock and, and you know, opening up the guitar to, to newer riffs. 
And that's when I came in. So it was because of Eric Kaplan that I'm in uh, Ritual Earth. <laughs> Very cool. It's like he's a little like uh, anchor to the scene. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. And if you know Eric, then you know pretty much everyone else that's hanging out because he knows everybody. He's a cool guy. Uh, so like, was the end result always going to be like a fuzzy doom adjacent band or did it all, did you find yourself like kind of wandering into that more? I think by that point I knew what I wanted to do. Cause I, I even started writing a lot of heavier stuff. And I, I, I started a project right before they asked me that's still, uh, incomplete. And if I get some time on the side, I'll probably finish it. But I think that's where I work best vocally and as a guitar player, mm -hmm. if I were to play guitar, is just, you know, anything riff rock and heavy and down-tuned. And it's what, you know, even when I was into hardcore, I always looked forward to the breakdown part. And this is just, you know, if you're listening to, like, any, like, Doom band, it's nothing but breakdown parts, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm probably going to stick. And then, like, in terms of you being a, a vocalist, like, you know, who were your influences and like you know who do you try to how to emulate when you're doing your thing you know i i immediately thought of the i don't really know what the term is but i thought of those sort of like um the like flickering aussie vocals from like the oh. early sabbath stuff i definitely got like that sound on there oh yeah for sure yeah even even the earlier in my earlier days you know there's first discovering music i mean uh, Black Sabbath was one of the first bands I was introduced to. My uh, my stepfather listened to Black Sabbath, so of course I listened mm -hmm. to Black Sabbath. But uh, even when I got into punk rock, uh, whatever music I was into, I always gravitated towards the singer. So like when I was you know into punk rock, I gravitated towards like Seven Seconds and Uniform Choice, which both had very melodic deliveries. Uh, when it came to thrash, it was Joey Belladonna and uh, uh, Bobby Blitz from Overkill. And then, uh, of course, Eddie Sutton from Leeway. These are all singers that vocally, you know, put it out there mm -hmm. uh, melodically. Um, but uh, I think now, uh, reflecting on everything, uh, the, the the top influences for me vocally, definitely Ozzy, uh, Chris Cornell, John Garcia, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, who else? Uh, I would have to go with, uh, uh, what's his name? Eric Wagner from Trouble and the Skull, you know, rest mm -hmm. in peace. And uh, yeah, that, that, I think it pretty much covered most of them. I could probably keep going, but yeah, those are the guys that really stand out for me. When I had a chance to listen to the album, I think that you have a bit of a foot up in the scene because your music, while you know, marketed and definitely existing very comfortably within the realm of Doom and Stoner, it features a lot of uh, proggy, like almost techie elements at times. So it's kind of that spirit adrift approach where the music is very oh. anthemic, but also technically proficient and complex. And, you know, it's just a little bit, uh, it helps to sort of stand out against like a lot of other uh, bands of this uh, ilk, you know, so like, what can you say to that? Uh, well, it's kind of funny when I joined the band, um, I knew what they were doing eight years prior and I had the three songs that they presented, you know, to me. So keep in mind, I didn't personally know anyone in the band. So mm -hmm. the first couple practices, we started to talk about music and connect and turns out our bass player, you know, aside from having been in a New York city punk band called Astroland for like 20 years, he was big into like funk and soul, but still, you know, played heavy music. Uh, our guitar player, uh, we, we connected over 90s hardcore. We talked about Earth Crisis and Snapcase, and he knew who Autumn was, which is a band I sang for in the 90s. Uh, we talked about Shelter, but he was also really big into, like, 
Grateful Dead and, and early 70s and late 60s. It was psych rock on top of the heavier stuff. And then uh, you know, we talked about your shirt earlier when uh, when Chris Turek, the drummer, and I started bonding mm -hmm. over music. We both realized we had a love for the early Merciful Fate stuff and the early King Diamond stuff. But he's uh, like his favorite brand's Brutal Truth. So he mm. was big into like, so as you could hear, like all the different influences there, like all come together to do one thing. And then I come in and it's just sort of like, we're all doing our individual things and it comes together somehow. And yeah, and, and trust me, when you talk about how technical those guys are, I mean, as a guitar player, being in this band for now four years, uh, I, I've learned the lesson the hard way. When those guys are writing, the best thing for me to do is just stand back and let it happen. And when they're ready, they'll present to me like something that's about, finished mm -hmm. and usually my only job is okay that's a verse that's a chorus do that six times do that four times and, and i'll figure it out from there but yeah i i don't interject at all in the writing i i, I did try once or twice to say hey guys you know I, I got a riff and they're like yeah we got plenty of riffs you just hang <laughs> on we'll get to it. if we if we hit a dry spell you're, you're on but that's just not going to happen but no, those guys are, are even as a guitar player i could tell you those guys are really good at what they do and they go methodically over parts and they really break them down. Um, there have been times when I've actually, we perform songs live and then we go to record it. And by the time I go in to do vocals, I'm like, what's this part? And they're like, oh, we, we wrote a new part. It sounds cool. Go ahead, do your thing. I'm like, oh, okay, great. But I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> how, that's how much they really dive into it and they take it very seriously and I respect them tremendously. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really cool shit. And like, I like that there's that sort of return to like trad metal has kind of popped up a bit more because it's definitely a it's weird of how like of all the genres of metal i felt like trad metal kind of was the one that was always sort of falling to the wayside it was kind of really struggling to be like you know more than just another do band but now <laughs> i feel like there's so many of these trad metal bands coming out and I don't know if it's just the vibe, the attitude, you know, whatever, but they're doing a great job. So it's really, I think it's cool to hear that kind of stuff crossing over with, with music that's more like riff oriented. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, I think there may have been like a little bit of a, a resurgence a couple years back. And then that younger crew that saw the resurgence kind of took it and they're like, well, let's mold it into this thing too. And it's like anything else, uh, you know, that's why you have so many different branches off of just metal, you know, mm -hmm. uh, different influences come into play. And as the younger kids come up and now they're doing a combination of what you did on top of what was newly introduced to them. I also thought it was interesting that you releasing the album on a label that doesn't really cater <laughs> to doom and stoner and it's rather indian punk rock bands like i yeah. noticed that nathan gray from boy sets fire which is not really my wheelhouse but i still like recognize you know who he is he's obviously like a big you know he's a big name in the scene so how did you uh get involved with iodine who i'm not familiar with but also has been around for like forever yeah so well, years ago in the 90s, I sang, and I, and I know Nathan from the Boy Sets Fire days. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I honestly haven't talked to him, and, and you just reminded me I need to reach out to him and write him just to say hello. It's been like 20 years since I've talked to him. Uh, but I, I sang for a band called Autumn. We were like an emo core band in the 90s, and I originally mm -hmm. kind of met uh, Casey from Iodine around that time. But uh, a couple years later, I played guitar in a band called Ama Conrad. And we actually signed to Iodine, and this was probably like 2002. And this was my first like riff rock band. But uh, just a real quick thing on Ama Conrad, like I would say when I joined that band, sound wise, it was a combination of just like uh, 
refused meets uh, drive like Jay who like real guitar driven type stuff. So I, I've known Casey for all of these years and we stayed in touch. And when he was originally going to bring back iodine, the first idea was he's going to press vinyl for all of his releases. So we, we talked about aim and he's like, uh, what are you doing right now? And I, and I shot him the ritual earth stuff. And I said, Hey, you know, I actually have the money to put this out on vinyl, but I, I, I don't want to sit on records. I might need some help with distro if you're, interested to help me out and he listened to it and he was just like why don't we just go ahead and do it Let, let's just do it you know so it kind of worked out that way like i needed a, a vehicle to help press a record and trust me when i say we've talked about the fact that like he does a lot of like more emo and even the other band audio karate is more like pop mm -hmm. punk uh i i i kept on saying the same thing i was like fans of music are, are still going to like this and I don't think you have to market it just as doom. I think there's a lot of crossover and like we just talked about in this conversation, but one of the things that I wanted to make sure we had uh, happen was that Amy from Adam splitter would do the PR on it because at the very least, if, if Casey and iodine didn't know how to market it, Amy would. And so far that's been a great partnership. Now the joke that we have had uh, over the last year is with me singing in a doom band, we, we jokingly said, we're just going to market it as emo doom. But um, it didn't it, it didn't work out. And and for anyone who's listened to Autumn that's popped up over the years, they've come back to me and said, you know, I'm listening to Virtual Earth and I, I could still tell it's you. So it, it kind of is like emo doom to me. And I'm like, yeah, don't ever say that again. As a matter of fact, edit this out of the nah, I'm kidding. But I mean, uh, I think that was the, the main conversation we had is, you know, I convinced him that uh, just fans of underground music are still going to you know like this, you know, and. Uh, I think a lot of people, especially my age, we have a very you know, large uh, CD and record collection, and there's probably a couple records in there that sound like this. And that's what I was hoping through, hoping to have happen through his channels. And um, I, I'm working through just the normal doom scene on, on our side to sell records and make sure we have albums for when we go to play some shows. So it's like kind of like a, like an SST sort of situation where oh, Greg did yeah, you, was you can, like... You know, he was willing to take that chance and put out some of the that weirder stuff that wasn't necessarily just hardcore, yeah, I mean the, you know, Black Flag clones. If I'm not mistaken, the you know, he put out Obsessed and then the the first uh, Soundgarden, right, on SST. And I might have like, I might have that wrong. Yeah, and maybe I, that I'm not sure, but I mean like Yawning Man and that kind of stuff. Like yeah, that all came out on SST. It was either Obsessed or Saint Vitus. I forget which out which band he put out. It was one of those early. I think it was St. Vitus. It was Wino's first band, I think. You gonna look it up? I'm going, uh, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> fact check that. We'll fact check that real quick. Yeah, fact check see. that and then look at, and I actually <laughs> actually have this hanging on my wall right now. You might wanna see what year my war came out. It was St. Vitus. Okay, there we go. Finally figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew it was one of those bands, yeah. You mentioned it earlier and because of wearing the shirt. So have you had the opportunity to see King Diamond before? Yeah, uh, quite a few times, actually. And even before, and I'm trying to think what album it was. It was later. I mean, I absolutely love New Abigail and Them and then Conspiracy. Yeah, those are all great. Yeah. And I feel like I started to play uh, in a lot of hardcore bands, doing a lot of touring in the early 90s. So I kind of missed the boat on some of the later albums. But I know he's played the truck I think I've seen him at the truck about four, maybe five times. And every time, like, you hear the classics. You know what I mean? You, you hear the stuff off Abigail and them that you want to hear and a bunch of new stuff. I don't think he played any Merciful Fate songs on that tour. 
but I, I've heard that he has over the years, like once things got, you know, uh, reconciled, I guess it was an issue back in the day, but, but yeah, and I've never seen Merciful Fate and I know that they've toured as Merciful Fate, but I've never got a chance to see them live. No, I haven't uh, had the opportunity to see Merciful Fate, but I have been lucky enough to see King Diamond a couple of times. And I i mean, both of the times were really fucking awesome. The first yeah. time was uh, at the, man, I really just like hate the name. It's like one of these theaters that just gets like <laughs> bought out and they just change the ownership, but it's the PlayStation Theater. It might've been the Best Buy Theater at the time. <laughs> Which is like it's it's not a bad venue. Like it sounds pretty no. good, and like Exodus opened up for them. Oh and wow, they were really good. And, who was the uh, singer at the time for Exodus? Uh, the, I mean the classic guy. I forget his name. Yeah, um, I mean I guess it doesn't Z matter. Steve Zotro is that his name? I believe so. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, it was him. I've seen them twice. Both times it was with him. Uh, and then, but to see him at the King's Theater was just amazing because that is yeah. such like a a gorgeous theater in a kind of shitty area of Brooklyn, North, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> and uh, but the inside is just beautiful, so it just goes perfect with that. You know, his ridiculous setup, like full fucking house and everything. It was like looked like fire was growing in the back. It was awesome. Oh yeah, and the the one time I saw him, I mean, they had the whole backdrop, and they had the girl come out in the wheelchair with the teacup, yep. and or the I guess the grandma, but uh, vocals were all like I'm, I was always blown away because the album has all of these vocal tracks all over the place, but he just he just nails them like with ease each and every time I've seen him, and I'm always blown away by that. Uh, I mean, I I thought for sure I, I remember preparing myself the first time, thinking, "Don't be disappointed if it doesn't hit that high note." But I mean, yeah, he nailed all of it each and every time, which is just I'm blown away by. But I guess when you spend hours working on it, I mean, yeah, he did have a, a backup vocalist with him <laughs> on this tour, but and for you know reasons that it's literally like I'm not going to hit this because I will destroy my voice if I try to do this. So yeah, well, sort of like. It's like not very non-intrusive. Yeah, he's getting older. I don't know. Maybe uh, either that or maybe he was sick. I mean, and didn't want to cancel the tour dates. And I don't know. I, I know he had some backup. I think he had like a girl singing backup with him, but it was more of like a complimentary to layer the the choruses yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I I am uh, I'm kind of hoping that Merciful Fate will roll around again at some point. I feel like they'll do one more thing before they ultimately call it quits but yeah I, I would really like to go see them because but i but in but in terms of like the diamond stuff yeah like all the kind of the classic era the later stuff i haven't really like checked out but i'm eagerly awaiting the that new one yeah oh yeah yeah i, I don't even see the point in any bands calling it quits unless you know you're short members but i mean i, I feel like this day and age bands just keep going and it's it's great you know you know, beyond the the debut, um, which again is coming out on March 18th, um, are you working on anything else? Follow up, uh, EP, uh, shows? Uh, we have well, right now. We have four shows booked, um, and on March 18th, we're playing we're playing a Doom and Bruise Fest up in uh, Jewett City, Connecticut. A uh, bunch of bands on that one. Uh, we're also doing uh, Maryland Doom Fest again this year, which is in I believe in early July. I can double check that. We're doing the Kingsland. That's also in March. That's with uh, Somnori and the Plague Years. And then we have another show coming up. 
God, I have to look at the schedule. This one's a little bit later. I think it's might be in. Oh God, I forget. I got to look at it again. But as far as like actual record follow ups, we're halfway. Yeah, a little bit more than halfway writing another full length. We were going to stop at one point and try and just shop what we had for like a split 12 inch. And then we decided to just keep on writing. So right now we're on like song five and six of what we hope to be like seven to eight songs for the next album. Uh, we haven't shopped it at all yet. You know, the, the agreement we had with Iodine was we could go back for another record with them. Uh, Casey and I have talked about this over and over again. He would like to see us get on another label. Um, and it's not because he isn't like us, but like his, his whole approach was like, I'm going to help you guys get on like a really decent label from here. But I mean, we haven't even talked to anyone yet. It's so early. We just are looking forward to playing the rest of this calendar year, uh, based off that album. And half of the songs on the, the, that we've written, uh, that are new are actually in the set. So they're getting road tested and. Yeah, they're, they're sounding really good. I, the, the newer stuff is, in my opinion, way more bluesier than the actual album, but still, you know, with that sound and still heavy and some parts are still really trippy and psychedelic. And, and uh, I don't know if you, you, I know you've never seen us play live, but I sing through like a lot of different vocal effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tried to emulate that on the album and, and this time around we figured out a way I can just do it live in the studio uh, through reamping, so we're going to start playing around with a lot more vocal effects as well. Nice. Yeah. That's that's cool. Um, I was going to ask you something about the... Oh, I was just uh, curious, because um, I know you all you work on them, uh, the songs Clavery, obviously, but I mean, just in terms of, like, touching on, you know, all these concepts of, like, you know, space and, and all this shit, you know, there's, like, a big, big old monolith on the album cover, like, do you work out, do you do the lyrics or is it somebody else? And, you know, are, are you channeling stuff from like, I'm assuming it's like esoteric science fiction, weirdo stuff that people love to sing about. Oh yeah. So I, I write all the lyrics. I I will run. Yeah. I will run some ideas past the guys before I do it, just to make sure we're not entering into some weird, you know, elf Muppet area of like (laughs) ridiculousness, but uh, the lyrics are actually, uh, there's a couple different levels. So I should probably first explain that when I did join the band, um, we almost kept the name chimp grinder and they had like an aesthetic to the band um, or whole ethos to the band. They, they came up with that name because the practice spot they practiced at had this huge uh, centrifuge on this other floor. And apparently it was, uh, a, I don't know if it was actually used for anything, but it was for NASA or something like that. And the idea was that, you know, a chimp would be in it and it would go into space. So they came up with all these ideas and adventures of this, you know, kind of like a, almost Planet of the Apes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, so when I first joined the band, they're like, hey, would you be interested in, in continuing this? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I didn't start it. And then uh, the thing that clicked is they're like, well, with these new songs, we just kind of imagined a thousand years in the future. And being a Voivod fan, like I was as a kid, I'm like, I, I, I know exactly what you're looking for. So in, in, in one way, like there's a lot of face value lyrics that are just, you know, and this is about space and this is about, you know, these entities, you know, these evil entities coming to do something. But there's also other levels to it as well. Like, for example, I'm Dreadnought on a deeper level is actually about, you know, like climate change and there's really no one to blame. It's it's man looking in the mirror. So, mm-hmm. I mean, with every song, you could read it as the lyrics that are written, but then you got to question, well, what else does this really mean? And every song has its own special thing on top of just being about like, 
you know, battling these crazy space monsters or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just kind of like had fun with it and ran away with it. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. Now, I will say this uh, for the new stuff that we're writing. I'm pretending that it's all happening in the same universe, but I'm not sticking to the same kind of themes. But I am mm-hmm. using the multiple le- multiple levels of lyric writing. You know, like there's the cool, you know, this is about this battle, but what else is it about? You know, is it about my internal battle going on or is mm-hmm. it something else? And yeah, there's just a bunch of weird stuff on there if you dive deep enough. And I also want to say this too, being a kid of the 90s, I had imagined and hoped that for this album, someone would do what I did as a kid and go home, you know, pull the record out, drop the needle, and then just open up that lyric sheet and then look at it and read it while it's on. Like I kind of imagined and hoped that would happen. So I made sure these lyrics were written in a way that would be cool to read and a little mysterious and thought provoking. And yeah, that's, that was like my main goal. I wanted, I wanted these to be read uh, as opposed Mm -hmm. to just filling up space with like, yeah, baby, you know, like it's never really, (laughs) I was never really into that, you know what I mean? Like this shit's going wild. No, nope. uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I was popping off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're fucking pissed now, dog. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> but no, I just I wanted it to be like taken seriously, but still like with a lot of imagination, have fun and right. keep it young feeling. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, and, and like I said earlier, if I think a, an idea is a little too ridiculous, I'll run it by the guys just to like test it out, and if I get then then I know it's time to start over again. But usually they let me go uh, and have fun with it. Awesome. Have you been listening to anything else lately that you've uh, really been enjoying? Well, the new Voivod. um, And then there's, I have the the pleasure of being in a city again that has a ton of bands. Uh, So uh, the the new uh, Terrain demo is awesome. Uh, I got into this band called Dreamswell. I think their album's a couple years old now, but they're another great, awesome Philly band. Uh, what else have I been listening to? And then when I drift off of things, I sometimes like will go back to some old music. Uh, last summer, I started revisiting a bunch of old '80s goth stuff. So, mm-hmm. I, so I had like, and this actually came up when we started uh, mixing the record. Actually, I started listening to, like The Cure again, and Susan the Banshees, and Joy Division, all the all the classic stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, what else? What else has been new? I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, Sometimes I'll actually do the cheesy thing on Spotify and let it recommend a record. And I'm like, oh, I remember that record and I'll pop that on. Uh, but with, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but my old band Autumn is releasing a retrospective. And uh, through that process, I started revisiting a lot of like 90s hardcore stuff again. So like I was actually listening to Youth of Today again for the first time in a while and Chain of Strength and uh, some of the stuff that got me first into music, like The Accused and... Uh, just mm-hmm. old, old stuff. And then uh, on occasion when something new pops up, I'll, I'll check it out. All Them Witches, been listening to a lot of them. Um, this goes on. Yeah, let's see. What have I checked out? Uh, I've been trying to, already trying to catch up on uh, releases from this year. I don't know where they're from, but they're called, this band called Cloakroom. They have an album mm. out. I think I might have mentioned yeah. it on another podcast, but it fucking rules. They, uh, they're that... going to be, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I just discovered them recently, and I forget how. Is, are they on, um, they're on Relapse, think, right? Yeah, they just signed to Relapse. Another institution of Philadelphia, right? Yeah, and trust me, I, I, I've sent our demo there probably four or five times. I heard they only take physical, uh, you know, when, when you pitch them, they only take physical music. They won't take a, like a streaming or an email. But yeah, um, they popped up 
just recently, and I know I've heard of them, uh, so I actually had the chance to check. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely in love with that album so much to the fact I'm jealous of it. It's the same thing, <laughs> yeah, because it's. I mean, if you you've heard the first song on the album, the Solar Ecstasy, yeah, and you, you could even see like if I wasn't such a metal vocalist, uh, my if my approach is a little different, it would be close to that maybe. Uh, another band that like falls in that category that I fell in love with that I just discovered last year was Slow Crush. I think they're from Chicago, but they do the same thing. It's like real heavy, but real trippy and moody, and it's just mm-hmm. awesome stuff. Yeah, but that cloakroom is is phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, let's. I I I haven't recorded in a while, so hopefully I'm not repeating myself. But whatever. <laughs> uh, the new album by Kralis is great. Kralis is uh, another one of uh, from. Um, Dysrhythmia. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I haven't heard that, but if I can just shout out two Philly bands. Colin Marston. Uh, what's that? Uh, the guy's name's Colin Marston. It's one of his bands. Oh, okay. Uh, in, the, in the last 12 months, um, The Age of Truth from Philadelphia put out a great album and so did Heavy Temple. And the, I mean, mm-hmm. it's when you're from, oh, and so so is Lovelorn. They put out a new record this year too. They're 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 not Stoner Doom at all. They're more of like a indie Dancy, but super cool, super catchy stuff. But uh, yeah, the heavy tempo and age of truth has just been on heavy rotation. As a matter of fact, when I'm when I'm working, I work here from this room, uh, remote from you know at home. Uh, there's a couple go to albums, and those two mm-hmm. right now are like go to for me, and I just put them on in the background while I'm working. Um, I don't think they're 2022 albums. I think they're both from 2021, but they're still like awesome and relatively new. I would say uh, just uh, to kind of wrap up my point on what I've been really oh, digging to the new um, author and Punisher uh, crawler or crawler or crueler. I think it's crueler, but I say crawler. So it just makes me think of the donut, um, <laughs> but uh, that album kicks ass. It's great. The new Zealand Arter self-titled is fantastic. And the new hangman's chair record alone is also fucking rad. Uh, oh. re- like really blown away by that Zealand Arter album though. Uh, that I'm gonna, band was, you know what? I'll email you after this so you could remind me who we just talked about. I'll check that out for sure. I don't know if it's like album of the year, but it'll definitely be in my like top 50 for sure. Mm, it's really, okay. really good. That band just like continues to evolve and do really, really cool and interesting things. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug as we're wrapping up? Well, of course, I mentioned earlier about that show. I was going to pull it up just to make sure I got the information correct. But yeah, I definitely, aside from just, you know, plugging the album, the album is still available uh, through you know, pre-orders. Uh, and actually just go to deathwishinc.com. I'm sure everyone knows what Deathwish is at this point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's available through Deathwish. Uh, if you want to find anything about us, we have a link tree. So it's linktree forward slash backslash Ritual Earth. Uh, what I've discovered is if you just Google Ritual Earth Doom, all of our stuff pops up. We just put a video up not too long ago. Uh, a couple new singles on Spotify, record drops in March. But as far as the next show that we have is, yeah, the Doom and Brews. And we are playing Friday, March 18th, which is when our record release is. So we're making this our record release show. But it's, uh, you know, it's Buzzard Canyon, Us, Arch Druid, Scuzzy Yeti, Vacant Eyes, and one of my favorite bands, Shadow Witch. So I'm extremely excited. It's going to be my first time seeing them live and get to play with them. So I'm beyond excited for that. Yeah, but that's pretty much all I had. There's a bunch of stuff coming up. So check out the the link tree for all of our different streaming and all the other platforms that we have up there. Sweet. Well, Earl's a he's a he's been on this podcast before. Oh, yeah. So he's a he's a he's a friend of the pod. Awesome vocalist. I, I, I can't wait 
to to see them play. I know I've seen a video of them where it looks like he's stepping on pedals as well. So I'm real curious to share some pedal vocal secrets at some point. He plays barefoot. He puts on yeah. glow paint. He puts on <laughs> outfits. Yeah, he's he's a real character. That are all. Yeah, I've seen that there was a couple shows they played where they all do like the the uh, fluorescent paint yeah. uh, with black light. And I don't know if they're doing that for this show, but it looked pretty awesome from the videos I've seen online. I have not yet seen them, uh, so maybe at some point that'll be happening this year too. Yeah, well, come up to Connecticut. We'll pick you up on the way. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for coming on the pod. I appreciate it. Go check out their debut, uh, Ritual Earth's debut, when it comes out on March 18th. If you're local to them or right in the area, go see their uh, record release show. And uh, yeah, stay safe out there and all that shit. And don't let Danny DeVito bother you. <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk no. about It's Always Sunny. Oh, well. <laughs> no. It's been a couple years since I've watched it anyway. But yeah, it was a staple for a while. But before I forget, thank you so much for having me on. And thank you for doing the podcast, for everything you do for you know, us DIY bands and helping, uh, you know, spread the word. We very much appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Love talking to cool people out there. Well, I'm, I'm not a cool people, but I'm happy to be on. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thank you again. And that'll do it for this chapter.
Uh, joining me for this week's chapter is, uh, it would be good if I put the actual band name at the top and not last week's band name on there. 